Welcome back, Beards Watch Podcast, episode 227, Charles number one podcast recorded in a basement. It is me, Jacob Rowland. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nation, Facebook, the Beards Watch Podcast, and then you can find all of our podcasts on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. And if you're really feeling frisky, go subscribe to our YouTube channel where we've got all our reaction videos, where we also compare sushi spots, where we watch Panther games, Birio cart, brewer reviews, all that good stuff. And if you're really feeling crazy, go buy a t-shirt. Christmas is coming up. Maybe buy a sweatshirt because it's getting colder. But who all's here? Let's see. Chris, it's been a while, man. How you been? Good, good. Just living, man. I took off the first three days last week, so... This week's just getting back to work, but last week was fun, man. Golfed, played basketball. Um, I heard y'all talking about basketball, and then I went and bought an outdoor ball and went down to Park Road Park. Nobody's ever – well, sometimes there's people there, but, like, the times I go, nobody's ever there. So I've just been chewing noodles, man. Okay. Yeah, I know. The last time we saw you was, I think, like the Halloween episode we did, so it's been a while. Your Thanksgiving good? Yeah, it was good. Um I didn't get any deep fried turkey from Pops this year. They went camping, so I had to fend for myself for turkey. No, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, Chris, where where can you be found if you want to be found? I'm on Twitter periodically at cmiken01, and then I'm on Instagram. I just changed that up from my name to at Buscemi's Kid because I go through spurts in my life where people constantly tell me I look like Steve Buscemi, and I'm in one. <laughs> So um, I just was like, hey, last time it happened, I bought like a shirt with his face on it. And this time I changed my Instagram handle. Yeah, I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you about that because it's changed since the last time we saw you. And I didn't know why that changed. So you answered that question. So Here we go. But you but your your Twitter picture is not. It's, it's, it's I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. So it threw me off when you changed <laughs> that up. But then the picture doesn't even go with it. So I was like. Chris is going through some kind of crisis here. I just think Aziz is hilarious, and that clip is from an episode of uh, Parks and Rec that I've got saved on my phone that is also hilarious. And I was showing it to somebody, and I just screenshotted him and was like, I don't know, fuck it. Okay. Make my Twitter photo. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. All right, and as always, count on him. He's got his HBCU on and his Panthers. Duvall, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Uh, thanks for having me on again, as usual. Um, and, of course, I know we talked uh, over the weekend, but my holiday was really good. Um, enjoyed it. Kind of just trying to get my feet back under me as I go through this week, and I've got a little bit of vacation at the end of the month. So really just trying to push everything out at the end of the year. But um, if you're looking for me, um, Instagram, just Duval, uh, Rod Duval is my Twitter. I'm not like Chris. I'm not changing it up. I'm just going to stick with it. Yeah, it's been – Duval's had the different Twitter and Instagram forever, and he said he's going to change it now. He's just stuck in his ways five, six, seven years later, going to keep it. It is what it is. All good. Yeah, I know I'm not Duval- that invested. Say what? I'm not nearly that invested <laughs> five, seven years. <laughs> uh, but Duval, I know what you mean. It's, it's tough to like be on a little bit of vacation and then try to get Rev back up, knowing you also got some vacation days coming up at the end of the month. So, it's, but you know, you have to at least focus on work here and there. So, I got you on that. And you know, it's really rough because for some odd reason, can't be just me, but I feel like they know you have this window, and they know that like you're about to like have a lot of time off. 
So they're cramming everything at you. And they're throwing everything <laughs> at you. And, like, all the deadlines are, like, two days before or three days before you're about to leave. And it's yep. just like, well, wait a minute. Why, why didn't I have all this last month <laughs> so that I could really coach during this time? But, you know, I digress. Man. Yeah. I digress. <laughs> uh, yeah, all good, all good. But, yes, for our guest today, an old a buddy of mine, we lived on the same dorm hallway freshman year. He is a big Panthers fan. It was funny because he had the same name, similar name to Steve Smith at the time. This guy is Steven Smith, so it was kind of one of the funny things. But he is about a six foot six tall, bald, white guy, as opposed to Steve Smith, who was a five nine, skinny NFL wide receiver, black guy. So that was the only big difference there. But man, how you doing? Doing good, great, man. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Yeah. So we were talking earlier before we started recording. I guess just catch us up. From what you know, what you've been doing since leaving UNCG. So since uh, graduating from UNCG, two thousand eleven, uh, got my degree in teaching and became an elementary school teacher of all things. Started off wanted to do uh, high school, and then when I got into some of my general ed stuff, back down into middle school, and then was actually placed in a kindergarten class my sophomore year. And I said, well, I really didn't want to teach the young ones like that, but I ended up moving all the way down to elementary and decided I didn't want to keep the history major, uh, many history classes I had to take for it. <laughs> and uh, so I got started teaching and been teaching ever since. I'm in my 10th year of teaching now. So what is it like, because it is very rare to see a male elementary school teacher. Are you the only one in your school? How, what is that like? <laughs> So I work with more guys now than I ever have. So now there are, I think, at least five of us okay. at the school that I'm teaching at now. It's the Day Elementary. That's the most like male elementary school teachers yeah. I've probably heard of, um, of anywhere around, different friends of mine I talk to in education. Uh, so fortunate in that, and we try to have our guy bonding times, if that's what you want to call it. You know, <laughs> we've got to be able to stick together, man. We outnumber yeah, I know. That's what I think the first male teacher I ever had might have been sixth grade math. So I didn't have a male teacher all the way through elementary school. But I know that I know schools, especially my white teacher, as soon as they see a male come across the desk and he's qualified, it's like, oh, they get hired pretty quick just because there's not a lot out there. Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's, there's more, I think, getting to be more and more. Um, but I mean, I, kind of like you said, had a pretty easy time getting a job out, out the gate. And um, and then once I changed schools, I'm in my sixth year at my current school. Once I moved over there and wanted to come back into the county schools because I started off in a charter. So then once I wanted to get back into county schools, I mean, I, I had a lot of people contacting me once my application came across the desk with Guilford County. So yeah, that was a you know, blessing. Now, I also noticed you've got, I don't know, you explain, you're working in part of what Iron Bells Acres, a farm. Is that yes. yours? Is that your family's? What do you do with that? It is. So we've pretty much since I was younger, I've always been interested in that type of thing. And um, my family on my mom's side, we all live here close together on what was my great grandfather's land. And so it traditionally was a tobacco farm. And then years and years later, then became other monocrops and things that were planted. And by the time I was a young teenager, started getting into small livestock and that kind of thing. And then in the last, I think, five years now, we started getting into raising pigs. Um, and so we raise pigs on pasture. We have our meat handler's license. Uh, so we, act, we do sell meat, uh, holes and halves, and you know, retail cuts, sausage, things like that. 
And so that's just kind of our mostly hobby. We're trying to turn it into kind of a side gig, if that's what you want to call it. And, yeah. Uh, still, still a work in progress. Yeah, so so basically you and your parents have kind of taken it over. It's passed down. And when did you guys decide, like, hey, let's do pigs? Uh, it was. It's definitely always just been a hobby, just something I kind of tinkered with with a lot of different, you know, other chickens and poultry and things like that. And then I guess, like I said, a few years ago, we got to the point that we were like, man, like we're, we're spending all this money on animal feed just to basically say, like, hey, we have some chickens and, <laughs> and stuff. And so then we got to the point where it was like, well, we, we got to figure out a way to be able to bring some money in. Yeah. Um, so we didn't start with pigs. We kind of started with goats and some calves and other things and and then kind of figured out we were always real hesitant about pigs, you know, messy animals, you know, ne- never heard great things about pigs and, you know, that kind of thing. But once we got up and tried it and started raising pigs out on pasture and realized that, man, you could get meat, you know, six to eight months later out of it and fill your freezer full of food. So it was kind of a double thing, be able to benefit our family and then be able to have some to sell too to help kind of cover the other expenses of the hobby. Yeah, so I thought that was funny at the beginning of that answer saying how expensive it was to keep just chickens and everything around when it seems like, you know, that was kind of like, in like you said, people feel like everybody, everybody kind of wants to, hey, if I can own some land and have some animals or whatever, but the expenses to it, it's tough if you don't have somebody, you know, either your job's bringing a lot in or the farm's putting back to you. So when you decided to do the pigs, was that your biggest, like, I guess what, profit per se? You know, chickens, I guess you have to have like a ton of them to even try to basically make it unless you just want it for your own goods, right? Yeah, you do. I mean, chickens, I mean, everybody and their brother, you know, we're here in North Carolina. Everybody and their brother has chickens, backyard chickens. I mean, even <laughs> say city folks now have a couple of chickens in the backyard as long as they're you know allowed to with city ordinances and that kind of thing but yeah chickens are just for those things you got to have a whole lot of them in order to be able to produce enough eggs um and then you know i think just here within probably a two mile radius around my house there's probably half a dozen people with eggs for sale signs out in their yard and people just i mean they do it just because they have extras you really can't make any money at it you spend more money than you get i mean it's definitely a whole lot easier and cheaper to go to the grocery store and just buy <laughs> eggs and meat and things and um so we you know we wanted to get to the point that we could have some to sell and that would cover the cost of what we kind of use for ourselves and then we kind of figured out and started doing some research into uh, you know raising pigs on pasture and something called regenerative agriculture kind of new ways and methods of farming uh, to kind of, you know, kind of goes against some of the stereotypes of raising pigs and that kind of thing. So, yeah, break it down so, for – oh, yeah, go ahead, Duval. No, I, I was just going to say, so um, I guess with, with raising pigs, I guess from a, from a financial standpoint, if you're any trying to gain anything, I guess chickens, you really – I guess there, there's more to gain with the pig, I guess because of so many, I guess, different forms of meat that you can cut and all that type of stuff. So is there, has there ever been a time, I know you said you've done it just kind of for a hobby. Have you had to go in there and actually handle that and, you know, put down a pig? So we, we have, we, we are starting to get into the point now where we're wanting to get into the butchering side of it, where we can do some of our own personal pigs mm-hmm. because of having our meat handlers license in North Carolina, the same as most States. Um, in order to be able to legally sell it, it has to be USDA inspected or it has to be state inspected. Mm. And so, like, if I go out here and put down a pig, I can use it for my personal use. I could give away meat to friends, um, but I wouldn't be able to actually sell it. 
Um, I think, you know, back in the day, you know, everybody, old timers had pigs and people would sell their extra breakfast sausage and that kind of thing. But pretty illegal now. Uh, <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of fees and things that you have to pay to be able, you know, if, you, if you're caught doing that kind of thing. Um, pigs are... I would say, I mean, based on my experience and what I've, you know, read about in research, pigs are probably the most profitable livestock animal, um, mm. j- just due to the fact that you can get so much meat in such a short amount of time. Mm. When you compare to raising out chickens, which we do meat birds as well, but the meat birds are just personal use. You have to have a separate poultry exemption license to sell those, and uh, you know, you have to raise a lot more of them, of course. You know, cows are kind of one of those things that you get a whole lot of meat, but it takes a whole a long time to grow one out. You got to have a lot more land. Pigs, you can put a lot more in a smaller space. Um, and I think I've just it's kind of been more of a challenge. Um, you know, pigs kind of have a bad rap as being the you know messy animals, stinky animals. Uh, you can only raise them in a pen or hog houses, like what's you know here in North Carolina a lot of. Um, and so when we realized that there was a different way that you could raise them and you would get a whole lot better quality meat, that's just kind of the, the path that we took. So for those who have no idea what, you know, uh, we say pigs out in pasture, what does that mean? You basically have a big pasture for them or? Yeah, so we, we have just a few acres here that we use. Yeah. Um, and so my wife and I are on a little over five acres and then mm-hmm. we use about another five acres. Um, so it's not a whole lot of land. I mean, decent size, um, but it's basically when you're raising animal, any animal or pigs on pasture, you got to have a larger area for them, and you basically try to replicate what it would be like if they were out in the wild. So you try to either give them as much space, or if you're not trying to give them as space, you kind of confine them, and then you rotate them and move them around. And so like with what we have, since we just have a few acres, we have it broken up into what we call paddocks, which is basically just small pastures. And so basically we let everybody, all the pigs go into one area, eat down the grass, till it up if they want to, and then we move them to another area before they tear up the ground too much. Mm-hmm. And then that, what that does is, is it helps the soil health, soil health, um, and actually makes the grass grow back better and stronger so that then by the time they circle back around and they've gone through the paddocks, once it's time to come back to the original one they started in, um, then that you know everything is grown back up, and so typically you know pigs are raised in you know, they call them hot houses, pig houses. Um, a lot of your big farms, you know, the Smithfield plants right here in Tar Heel, North Carolina, uh, which is the largest pig processing plant in the world, and you know they all of their pigs come from these you know, pig houses, and you know where pigs are raised on concrete floor, they pile a whole bunch of them into just a very small confined area. They're on concrete their whole life. And, you know, all the negative downsides are to that. I mean, you can talk, I could talk about it all day long, but, uh, you know, kind of once we figured out that you can raise pigs out on pasture just like you could a goat or a cow or anything else, that was, you know, kind of intriguing side of it. So, yeah, when – Yeah, that, I mean, that's like – that is pretty wild. How many do you guys have? Uh, currently, right now, we have about eight breeders, uh, so a boar and then multiple sows. And then we had just recently started over in the last year. So we had a certain type of breed of pig. We decided we wanted to start over to try to get something a little more efficient on feed. And so we started over and so everybody just had piglets. And now we have about a little over 50 piglets right now. So, you know, we're, we're pushing 60-ish right now. It's hard to count the pile of pigs, right? Pig, you know, piglets out there. But, um, 
they uh, so we have quite a few still trying to grow a little bit. We'd like to get up to about uh, 15 or so breeders. And then that way that'll allow us to have plenty of piglets during the year that we can sell to folks if other folks want to raise them. And then of course we do a lot of, you know, selling meat and everything too. So. So is that so is that how you kind of split it? You'll sell some piglets piglets to other potential farmers or people that want to have some, and then you know there's a certain amount that hey, all right, we're going to grow these out, and then they're going to you know feed us later via chop them up and all that good stuff. Yeah, and so it used to be uh, COVID has actually changed a whole lot of that. Yeah, just in such a short amount of time, you know, it used to be for the last about four or five years, if I had a couple of pigs and I wanted to take them to our our processor. I could call maybe even as soon as like a week before and say, hey, do you have any openings next week? We'd take them, uh, they'd be processed, everything's packaged up, we get it back, and then we can do what we want to with it as far as keeping or selling. Uh, because of COVID, um, everybody back in March just panicked. You know, you guys, and I'm sure you've seen that at the grocery store and places, everybody just started buying up stuff. And the same thing happened with livestock. So you know, farmers and folks you know, realized that, hey, I can't get this stuff at the grocery store. I need to be able to process extra animals to fill our family's freezers and you know, food supplies. And then also realizing people that sell, sell meat and products and even vegetables and stuff realized that, uh, you know, hey, I could, I got more of a demand for it because people were going to the grocery store and, you go to the meat counter and you're only allowed one pack of meat, you know, they were limited in, or they were sold out. And so people had to find other ways to be able to, you know, meet that supply. And so more and more people started turning to small farmers and, you know, you know, I'm not in any farmers markets or anything, but, you know, people like that, that are you know, small farmers selling vegetables, meats and proteins and stuff. Um, and so the demand just really went super high and we sold a lot pigs this past year a lot of people instead of wanting to buy just a couple of packs of the sausage or pork chops here and there people started buying whole pigs from us and so customers could pick those how they want them processed and that kind of thing and so we basically became the middleman raised out pigs for people took them to the processor helped people fill out their cut sheet to however they wanted it processed and done um and so we're kind of continuing that so now so like i said you could book you know pretty immediately but now, I mean, our processor is the largest processor around like four or five states around us. That's the place called Piedmont Custom Meats. Uh, and they, because they offer so many different things and cuts and uh, spices, they, mixtures they can do and smoking products, um, really big popular place. And so they're booked all the way through 2021. Hmm. So luckily I was able to get in and reserve some spots for this coming year. So I know how many spots I have, and so in, I keep that in mind with all our piglets, and say, okay, I got to keep this many to have to be able to process, and then any extra will be to sell for other people because other people are looking for them too, and there's such a shortage, uh, and has been such a shortage. You know, you used to could go on like Craigslist and type in, you know, pig or piglets, and you would pop up with you know, maybe a dozen different folks in the area within like a 50 mile radius. But if you go on there now and you type that. There might be maybe like five and probably four of those fives are just like people's pet pot belly pigs kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> um, so there's a, there's a whole lot of demand for that kind of stuff out there. I mean, everybody, once COVID hit, everybody realized that, hey, you know, I need to be able to provide them for my family when other people can't uh, or the grocery store can't provide for me. And so, I mean, just in my kind of hobby and, you know, side gig, we, you know, started seeing a lot of things, you know, selling out and being hard to find. I mean, even like uh, 
going back to the whole like chickens and stuff, you know, people realized like, hey, I can't get eggs at the grocery store. I want to buy some chickens so I can have some eggs. And so more and more people started getting into that kind of thing. So with that ramp up in production, did you have to buy any more freezers or do you already have like plenty of commercial freezer space or? Yeah, so we have one freezer right now that's a pretty large freezer that we des- designated. So we're the USDA and through the state. So they send out somebody from Raleigh, um, you know, through you know health department once a year to inspect our freezers. And so anything that we have has to be designated for that. Um, and so when they send out the inspector, it has to be inspected by them. So right now we only have one freezer that we can use. Typically that one freezer can hold about three whole pigs. And so typically we've never tried to fit more than that in there. Uh, we also go through a lot of pork, you know, pork personal use. So we have like, you know, freezers here at my house and then at my parents' house because my dad and I are kind of the ones that are in it together. Um, so we, you know, we can put our personal pigs in there and not have to take up space in our inspected freezer. Um, and then, like I said, this past year, we sold so many whole pigs to people that we didn't have to worry about storing, you know, a lot of meat for retail sale because, you know, once they go and pick it up, the people have to come pick it up that day and then, you know, they take it home and store it themselves. You didn't keep more than three pigs for just like you and your family when everything went down? You didn't think it was more than three pig worthy? <laughs> uh, about, about one pig, um, I think... A, it's been about three pigs probably since March we've kept for personal use, but that was broken up over multiple times. And so we had, I think we had like five processing dates since March. You know, sometimes four pigs went, sometimes five, sometimes three. Um, but the majority of those, we just, we sold out so quick. I mean, once, I mean, really even before COVID started, it started getting more popular with people, people wanting to fill their freezer. And so they would come and buy or you know, they would buy a pick from us, we would finish growing it out, and we would have a certain day that would be designated for them to come and get The trend of wanting to know where your food came from instead of going to the store was skyrocketing even before COVID. So I can only imagine, like, because my parents did the same thing. They bought, like, a quarter or a half a cow or some shit and got a commercial freezer, and perfect for me, honestly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's yeah, all I yeah, so. I it's just a, it's a, it to be crazy, yeah. It's definitely, I mean, it's, it's the thing to do, man, and I, I would recommend it for anybody. I mean, everybody can't go out and just buy a quarter cow, half cow, and that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, people being able to stock up up to a certain extent, uh, I mean, that's something I think we've definitely appreciated more since all of this started. We appreciate it, like you said, you know, like your parents you know, did before COVID started, but now since, I mean, you realize that you, you know, and I think that's kind of like an old thing fashion notion you know my grandparents would you know can you know a lot of food and store things in their basement and they would have shelves i mean even when my parent grandparents recently passed away in the last couple years they still had cans and cans and cans or jars excuse me of you know vegetables that they had my grandma had canned you know from a long time ago um and just realizing that you know you had to stock up for hard times you know we don't really think about you know having hard times now um, and happen for a long time, you know, it's just so convenient to be able to go to the store and get certain things. And so there's definitely benefit to the whole stocking up. And then, like you said, I mean, you hit, you hit it on that. I mean, people really want to figure out where their food comes from. And then, you know, so people like us, you know, are able to really kind of reach out to a larger group of people than we used to could. What's the oldest, what's the oldest, uh, jar you found in the, in your grandparents' basement? There was a lot of green beans, I think, is what was left. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the other stuff had been used up, but there still were some you know, green beans that were down there they had found. 
They still looked like they were good. I don't know. You didn't um, you didn't want to test them out, see if they had a little something to them. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think two or three years might be sufficient or something like that. So my wife and I actually got into Canon since all that stuff had started. I thought that might be something interesting to try. So we've done a lot of Canon this year. So I kind of know some of the science behind it. Yeah. You know, two or three years old, but some of those green beans were probably pushing 10, 15 years old. So, Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, that might have. Probably wouldn't be nothing wrong with them. I mean, they you know, they still look normal. There probably yeah. really wasn't anything in it, but I mean, it's soft. Yeah, they saw it. Might have just like cleaned you out though. Like if you just needed like a a, a body cleanser, it probably just would have flushed you. That's right. <laughs> What'd you have, um, Duval? So, yeah. So, so my question is, is kind of you kind of spoke to how things have been with with COVID and whatnot. It seems like it's been kind of on the up and up. What's kind of been the biggest, I guess, challenge? Whether it be you know, just the demand, maybe that's what it is, or just kind of just the change or just the simple fact of just being in COVID and, and being in the side industry that you're in. Has it just been, what's been the, one of the biggest challenges? Really, I mean, the biggest, which is a good thing, good challenge to have, but it's just being able to fit the demand. Um, I think we sold, we sold more pigs this past year, you know, whether toll pigs or, you know, selling to retail, I think we pushed close to tw- uh, 20 or 21 this year, which is the most we've done, you know, on our little small you know, farm. And I think that kind of got us to realizing that this could be more of a side gig instead of just a hobby. Um, so really just be able to beat that demand. If I would have had 100 pigs this year, I probably could have sold every single one of them mm. for processing. Like you said, I think things kind of are back on the up and up. Things are kind of leveling out a little bit more. Um, you know, we probably had some people that came and bought from us or either other, you know, local small farmers and they realized, Hey, you know, this stuff was good, but kind of expensive compared to the grocery store and the grocery stores got the pork chops on sale again. So, um, you know, I think I'm you know, going to go back, switch back to that. So there probably some of that things are kind of, you know, leveling back out a little bit. Um, more and more folks are getting into it. There are, you know, there's more people that have popped up in the area. I notice little farms on Facebook and stuff all the time. Uh, people starting out that are doing exactly what we're doing. Uh, so, you know, there's more people doing it, which is, I mean, really it's a good thing. Um, farming and, as a side hustle sounds crazy to me. Cause I think <laughs> of farming, I think of like 12 hour days, seven days a week, busting ass, 21 pigs running around. That's your side job? Like, my side job is, like, relaxing, you know? That sounds like a lot of work to be a side gig. That's what I'm saying. Like, more power to you. It can be. I mean, it's, it's a lot of work at different times. Um, I think for us, we're so small, and, you know, you never – it's not like you spend – you know, I don't, I don't get home from teaching and go out and spend, you know, six hours working on stuff, that kind of thing. Uh, it, it's a lot more manageable than that. And I think it's just kind of building up over time. We luckily had some of the infrastructure uh, started in place with some of our fencing and things when we got started. I mean, that's the big thing. It's, you know, if you, if you build things and have them there, whether it be shelters, sheds, fencing, um, that's kind of the big thing. A lot of upfront cost and work there in the beginning. But, you know, really you're just kind of at like a managing pace then after that. There's definitely times that are busier than others, um, you know, Loading day when you're getting ready to go load pigs and take them to the processor is always interesting. You never know what kind of experience you're going to get with that, uh, good or bad. And, you know, sometimes every now and then, like the other day, the pigs got out. That's the first time they had probably gotten out in six months. Um, so that was interesting. 
know, when you're coming around, walking outside, and, you know, our, you know, all of our pigs are still pretty young, but our big boar is like 350, 375 pounds, and he's solid black. And when I came around the corner, all of a sudden, it was just this big black thing, you know, running towards me. And I, I really thought it was a bear uh, <laughs> at, at first, because, I mean, you just, you're not expecting to see the boar just, like, standing right there at your back, you know, back gate. Um, so, you know, that kind of startled me. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later, you know, all the pigs are back up. So it's, it's not too bad. I enjoy it. I like I like tinkering and piddling. I know my wife says that I don't like to really sit still a whole lot, um, especially when it comes to that kind of thing. So I, I enjoy it. What's the name of the farm again? It's Iron Bell Acres. Iron Bell Acres. Yeah, we're, we're, we're really just on Facebook. Um, I probably should have some other social media presence. We've built up a pretty good Facebook following, uh, but Facebook has just gotten so funny with their algorithms. Uh, here in the last probably especially year or so, it used to be, could be that I would make a Facebook post from our farm page and, you know, maybe two or three, 400, 500 people would see it. If I make a post now, it's like unless it gets a couple of certain likes or something, the way Facebook algorithms are, even though we have 3,000 followers on our small farm page, which is deep, you know, which is pretty good. I mean, out of 3,000 people, maybe only 50 people will see a post sometimes. Unless it's something that one or two people share, and then for some reason that'll branch it out. Facebook is also real funny about live animal stuff and livestock. Um, you know, there's different reasons why I think that is. You know, some people think it's because you know Facebook has a lot of support from groups like PETA and stuff, so they don't want the slaughter and process of animals being discussed or so, you know done. But you know, I don't I don't necessarily think it's some of that. It's just you know, Facebook's really big. We're not wanting to have live animal sales, which, you know, we don't do as much. Of. Most of it's what we do is meat, but it's just all about the wording that you put in your articles and stuff. But. Yeah, Facebook got real funky. Like you said, it's unless, and they really want to try to force you into like paying for their service so you can promote your stuff. It really like, they took away, even like us just using a small podcast page, took away tagging some people and then you couldn't tag in some stuff unless they approved it. And now it won't even show up. Like if I tag you in something to Duval and it used to be, he would just have to, you guys would just approve it. It would go on there. And now it's like you can't tag certain things and it still won't show up unless they actually share it and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, it can get kind of tough on there as well, but yeah. I well, mean, and, and I guess and part of it, I get, I mean, you know, it's a, you know, a business and that, you know, I, I make, can make money off of some of that advertising and stuff. So I get Facebook kind of wants a little bit of their cut or whatever. But yeah, it just definitely makes it more challenging. We just did an email list, like a distri email distribution, I don't know, not quite a year ago, eight or nine months. It was like maybe right even before COVID stuff started back in March. And uh, I mean, I found just an old school thing, which is you know, crazy to call email an old school, but you know, <laughs> something that might have been done earlier on is. I mean, you really reach more people now with that than you do even with, you know, Facebook. But. Yeah. That's so, why you have to get an email every time you go to a new website. Yeah. What's your email? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you have a daughter, correct? I do. Now, how... She is, she is three. Okay. Okay. So how has that been in, like, the scenario of Babe the Pig and all that where... Has she, does she know kind of a little bit? I mean, three-year-old, they're still exploring. They're still figuring things out. But how has that introduction been? I mean, obviously, you haven't put her to that side yet of showing her the slaughterhouse and all. But 
How's that been kind of going? She, she doesn't really understand all that yet. She doesn't really get to see it. I mean, she she kind of takes it through spells. There's some days where she's interested and she wants to come out and help Daddy feed the animals. Other days, she could care less. Um, I think sometimes she's kind of immune to it. I think kind of once you're around and exposed to that stuff for a while, it's just kind of what you're used to. You know, a chicken or a pig or a farm animal is really not a big deal to her. She could care less most of the time. Um <laughs> But it's, you know, she doesn't quite understand yet. I think as she's getting a little bit older, we really kind of want her to understand that side of it and be able to, you know, understand that we're, what we are doing with it, we are processing them. And I think the biggest thing, like I tell a lot of my customers um, that I definitely want her to understand is, you know, you know, we're raising these animals for, for butcher or processing, but, you know, we give them the best life that we can and they just have one bad day at the end. Yes. It's kind of um, <laughs> You know, the thing that we really want the customers to understand, but especially want her to understand, too. That's yeah, tough, but I get it. I like that. <laughs> yeah. tough, but I get it. Yeah. I get, I, and, and there's a there's a well, well-known farmer, a guy named Joel Salatin from Polyface Farm, Virginia. I think he kind of coined that saying. And so a lot of folks like me, that's what we kind of use and repeat that. But, I mean, it's definitely very true. And that's the, the biggest thing of being able just to kind of provide, you know, food and something for your family, but just – you know, it is just wanting to give animals the best life. And kind of like I said, you know, raising pigs on pasture is something that most people wouldn't do. They don't really know a whole lot about until they're told about it. Um, but, you know, pigs don't have to be raised in a, you know, a big slaughterhouse type scenario, concrete pad, you know, like what most pigs are raised in. Um, do, you have any, do you have any livestock that are pets that you, that you won't process? Uh, we have a couple of geese, I think, are the closest thing that come to that. We've had, we have two geese that we have, let's say one is 11 years old and the other one is eight. And then I also have a miniature donkey. He's 12. <laughs> um, so those, those are the closest things, really. We, we really don't keep a whole lot of pets. I mean, even with the pigs, we've had a couple of different ones that were maybe runts or real friendly or something. And we kind of kept them petty for a while. We didn't process them. Um. But we we ended up selling them to other families that wanted to keep them as pets. With us and having so many that we're trying to feed and grow out, it's I mean you really just can't get attached. I know my wife said several years ago. I think it was actually a donkey at that point. We had some other miniature donkeys, and we had a miniature donkey you know foal that was born. And I mean we had enough donkeys, so we sold my wife's little donkey. You know she was she kind of said since then you know she doesn't get attached to things, and we kind of have to keep the same you know mindset. Um, kind of like that big boar I mentioned, you know, somebody asked me the other day, well, what are you going to do with that thing when he gets 800 pounds? And I said, I'm going to eat it. What do you mean? You're going to keep him that long and eat him? Well, yeah. I mean, when he's done doing his job and can't, or can't do his job anymore, you know, he's, I'm not going to just give him away to somebody or, you know, anything. So everything has to have a purpose here. And so we really don't keep a whole lot of pets anymore. Just letting him fat up a little bit, right? That's right. 800 pounds, like, man, that's tough. That's like you fall on somebody and you might crush and kill them. That's huge. I mean, yeah, yeah, pigs are, they are strong animals. You definitely have to have a respect for them. And like I said, our board now is maybe 350 pounds, which is, I mean, it's big, but my pig standards is not that big. big. Uh, But, I mean, they really are just like logs coming at you, man. And they're really super intelligent animals. People have always said, you know, pigs are one of the smartest animals right up there with, like, dogs and dolphins and stuff. I mean, I definitely believe it. Um, 
But, you know, you, you, you can't turn your back on them. You get, you get hurt if you turn your back on them. Even the, you know, the friendly ones. I mean, we don't keep anything that's aggressive or anything like that. You know, you gotta, they got to be easy to handle um, as far as moving around and trusting. But, like, you know, even with, like, our board, you know, I wouldn't let my daughter, you know, get in there with them by herself. You know, some people would say, oh, you know, I got this tame cow or this tame horse or whatever. You know, I would trust it with my toddler. Yeah, you know, that's – I think you'd be making a mistake to kind of turn your back on stuff like that. Yeah. What's your favorite – part of a pig to eat shoulder steaks steaks. okay so a shoulder steak you know you have most people familiar with like you know barbecue usually it's done from your like your hams and your shoulders yep you have like your boston butt picnic roast so like a lot of times we like to do is we like to have our processor do them up as steaks and so the the easiest reference I can explain to people is it's kind of like a ribeye steak. So it's kind of like a nice dark piece of red meat with fat going through it. You know, you can grill it, sear it, you know, whatever you want to do that most flavorful, flavorful in my opinion. So do you, would you then, I saw on your Facebook, would you, pro, like if someone came to order, you would like, hey, you should try some of these steaks out. Would they buy them through you or they buy them from the, your processor? So they would buy they would if they would buy them through us. Um, so when we raise out our pigs to take, we kind of have to decide okay, if a certain pig I'm taking to use is retail cut. So say in that, that freezer that I was saying they could hold about three pigs worth. If I want to have some pigs to be able to sell, I have to decide what cuts I want. And so we fill out a cut sheet, decide all the different parts of the pig, what you want to do with those, which are you know what you want steaks, roast. Um, if you want it ground up, if you want it turned into sausage. And so we kind of just do that based on demand of what people want. We don't keep a whole lot of shoulder steaks and things like that because it's not as popular. You know, everybody either wants uh, sausage or pork chops. Those are the two you know, most popular. Um, so we, you know, the people can come and they can try different stuff that we have and, uh, you know, want to be able to decide what they want for themselves. Yeah, your Facebook page looks like you're actually cooking you don't, you don't, on tonight's menu, does that mean like your personal menu for your dinner or you actually like have a little like restaurant going on that? Uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's the personal, personal menu. Yeah. So we, uh, we haven't been as busy as on our Facebook page lately for posting stuff, but I got into a routine there for a while where I was sharing two or three times a week, different meals and stuff we would do with, you know, our animals and stuff we were doing, whether it be our chickens, meat birds we had. Uh, turkey, and I think I did a post recently with some ducks that we processed. I love duck. That's why I saw it. Yeah. So that's um, yeah. So we we eat pretty good around here. I, I've I've gotten to be a pretty good cook in the last few years. So how would you? I, I've got a go ahead, Duval. Go ahead, my bad. I, I've got a random question. This is going to be off the grid. So like in in reference because I know you said something about y- your pigs are, are being raised on pasture. As somebody that consumes a lot of seafood. Not necessarily be. Don't get me wrong. I do, I do consume a little bit, but not as much as I used to, because it just doesn't sit well with me. So, is the the equivalent of raising a pig on pasture is the same thing as kind of like farming a fish? Is that kind of the equivalent? And I guess my question would be like, what's the benefit of kind of selling your customers on raising it on pasture versus other ways of raising it, so to speak? Yeah, so with with pigs especially, the comparison between raising them on pasture versus how they're conventionally raised, 
is the biggest thing and being able to raise the like a pig on pasture more naturally allowing them to be able to root in the dirt eat grass eat, eat you know roots and things like that so it lets them live a more natural happier healthier life there's kind of the humane side of it like that that a lot of people are really interested in and then the fact of it is is there's just a, such a huge difference in the taste and texture and quality of that so you know back in the I think it was right after World War II from some of my research and reading that I've done, you know, pork kind of became the thing that was advertised as the other white meat. And pork is not supposed to be white meat. Pork is supposed to be red meat. And so when you go to the grocery store now, you typically, when you go and you look at those pork chops or something that you're going to buy, and they're typically gray, pink, maybe a little dark pink. But like when you look at like what we have, it's just as dark, bright red is what you would consider like a steak from beef. Um, and so that what that does is it's just the whole texture and taste profile of the meat that you're eating is just totally different. Um, it's going, like you said, it doesn't sit well with you. So like I've had a couple of customers that have been repeat for a while. One woman in particular uh, that always comes to mind that I tell people about is she actually had had her gallbladder removed and had some, I think, some stomach issues and some different things. And so she had gotten to the point where she really couldn't eat beef or pork anymore. It was just too rough on her stomach. Uh, but so she came and she, her and her husband, they bought some sausage from us and tried it. And she was just like, man, like it, it didn't, it didn't make me feel bad. It didn't, you know, upset my stomach. You know, why is that? And so a lot of that really is, it's just based on what the animals are eating and kind of how they're grown out and raised. So when, you know, when you're buying, you know, the animals that are raised more naturally like that, they're eating a more natural diet, even though we do still feed some conventional feeds. So like our pigs still do get like a you know, groundhog feed, you know, supplement to give them that because pigs can't just eat just grass like a cow or something good. You have to supplement them. But because they do get a lot of their diet from being out on pasture, though, it just really changes the whole texture and taste. The fat that's on the animal is just a whole, they're very different. You know, when you get some of our sausage, you know, most people are used to when they're frying up patties of sausages, they're used to the pan just being covered in grease and fat, basically. Mm-hmm. And like with ours, our pigs are typically a little bit leaner, for one. And then two, the fat composition is just totally different and changed with the amino acids and everything that are in it are more bound together. And so what little bit of fat is in there, it just kind of binds in with the meat better. And so then when you go and you take a bite of that sausage, it's, it's a nice, you know, moist, tender piece of meat compared to being, you know, if you take a bite of Nisa's sausage, I mean, I'm not, not, you know, I probably shouldn't say Nisa's. I mean, I, they're kind of a local company or whatever, too, around here. That's all I know. So it's okay. <laughs> so they, but, that's the, but that's the comparison. And that's what, it, yeah, that's what everybody knows. Like I said, you know, Nisa's sausage, the seasoning tastes good, but when you, you really kind of have to get into more of the other parts and components that go along with it. And so just the whole composition of the animal is different. And kind of like you say saying about, you know, the benefits and stuff of it from a lot of the research and things I've done, you know, that one lady is an example. But it's just, you know, animals that are raised in a better way, they eat higher, higher, better quality feeds, then get better quality meat. And so people can notice the difference on how it, you know, makes their stomach feel, uh, you know, as far as long-term health effects of different people, you know, you know, the people and stuff. You know, a lot of times when people start having – uh, cholesterol, blood pressure issues, a lot of times doctors will say, like, you know, you need to start cutting out some of that red meat. And really what it comes down to is, is you don't necessarily need to always cut down on some of that red meat. You need to eat a different type of red meat. 
And so the thing is, when people go to the, it's the same thing with like people doing beef and cows. You know, when you go and buy, you know, that ribeye steak at the grocery store, and again, I do it too. I still buy some meats and stuff from the grocery store occasionally. Um, but you're eating a cow that, or part of a cow that came from a feedlot out somewhere else that was raised on corn for the last six months of its life. And so when you eat that piece of ribeye compared to a ribeye that was raised on all grass-fed, grass-finished, then again, it's a whole different taste profile, texture, quality of meat that you're getting, and it's the same way with the pigs. So is, with steak, grass-fed, I've found I have to cook it like in the oven and, and slow and longer, opposed to like pan searing it super hot or, or something like that, because it's just a little tougher, the grass-fed. Is it the same kind of thing with pork? Like, you got to cook it different, It you know... It's not as noticeable a difference compared to beef. Beef is really more of a stark contrast with that grass fed compared to the conventional. Um, with pork, typically, like I said, it's, it's a different texture and taste in the fats that are in it. And the fat is actually a lot better you know, quality itself. It's a really high in vitamin D and some of those different amino acids. Um, and so you'll notice a little bit of difference with it and how it cooks. And a lot of that moisture will retain easier to the meat. You know, with pork chops, you either like pork chops or you don't, but a lot of people that don't like them is because when they, the last time they had them, it was just a dried out cooked piece of meat. And that's because the pork chops you're going to get at the grocery store have basically hardly little to no fat at all in the meat itself. You know, it might have that little white strip of fat around the outside, but it doesn't have that marbling on the inside. And so compared to like with ours, it has the marbling throughout the meat. It's just a much more moist, tender piece of meat than you so the next time I'm working in High Point, I'm going to come stop by the farm and grab some duck, some sausage, <laughs> maybe half a pig. The pork we can work <laughs> out. The birds, I don't, the birds, I don't know. You know, like I said the birds are the, that's the, that's, the per, that's the personal stock there. Uh, <laughs> so would you be able to, like if Chris was just coming through town and shot you a message on Facebook, you've got some there at your house? That he could just, or wherever you would sell it kind of thing? We will probably after first of the year. So right now we're completely sold out. We just okay. took four pigs, uh, processing last week, no, excuse me, five pigs. Three of those pigs belong to customers, and so they're theirs. They'll get the meat back and get picked up. We had two pigs that we basically processed all in sausage. So we will have some sausage maybe in another two weeks. And then after that, it'll probably be February again before we have some. Just the way our processing dates per happen we haven't been able to regularly keep things in stock because we either sell it out so fast when we get it or it's already promised and spoke to for people hopefully this coming year by about june we'll get to the point where we'll be able to regularly stock you know different things you know in stock either here um, and then i also have a buddy of mine's farm that has a local blueberry farm here close by and i think we'll probably store some meats and sell some over there too nice Buy a freezer if you want to set up a Charlotte branch. A <laughs> <laughs> little distribution the di in the city. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, Charlotte would be a good market to get into. Now, do you think, obviously, teaching your main gig, you're saying this is now kind of a side hustle moved up from a hobby. Would you ever want to get it to be your main gig? Or, you know, do you not want to get too much into that? I think in my mind, I say I would love to. Um, there'd be a lot of the parts of it I would love to do. But when it comes down to it, 
to be able to do it full time, it would then become that kind of thing, you know, like Chris said, where uh, you do would start working crazy hour days and you'd be a lot more invested in being able to try to do that. Um, people definitely do it. There's other little small farms here in North Carolina and around that are people I follow that you know, quit their regular day to day and started doing it. So it's definitely possible. I think their market is here um, around this area to be able to do it. Probably no time in the near future. When it comes down to it, you know, it'd be hard to leave the benefits of teaching. Yeah. Uh, you know, the time off, insurance, and that kind of thing. And I do enjoy working with kids and what I do in that regard of it. So, you know, kind of be able to, you know, expect teaching kids, working with kids, sharing my experiences with them. Um, yeah. Do people hire like a foreman, whatever you would call a foreman for a ranch, like a rancher, like somebody just like, so you can maintain the farm and the company, but like hire somebody to take it to that next level so you can continue teaching, don't have to run those crazy hours. Like, or is there a, you'd Sometimes, have to. Be, yeah, I think you, you would have to have help to a certain extent. Uh, I think that would be the biggest thing too, is, you know, having to hire somebody else or have the extra help to do it. Um, in order to be able to get to a point where you were making enough money to be able to do it full time, you pretty much got to have the extra like full time help. Um, Is that something people do? Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, and we have some family land and stuff here that you know connects up to us, but to be able to do it full time and to have the number of animals that we would have to produce, I would have to lease some land, you know, nearby us to be able to do that. So that becomes a whole other management, you know, thing that not prepared really to get into any time in the near future especially yeah. with a you know, three-year-old at home <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and you know something to, to, to kind of add to it i feel like you kind of got the best of both worlds because you've got something that you love and, and teaching because you've done it for so long and then you've got your little you know your joyous being able to kind of raise animals and still kind of get profit so i feel like in, in essence kind of like with everyone you kind of you understand what you know, what, what is your breadwinner? What makes you and is able to keep you and your family, you know, comfortable having food on the table, all those types of things. But then you're still able to kind of branch out and say, you know what, this is kind of my love. And I mean, you can kind of do that forever because people are going to always want me. People are going to always want that. And then on the other side, people are going to always need teachers. People are going to always need kids to, to be helped. So it's kind of like you're kind of in a good position and and you know i commend you for that like i mean being able to kind of be able to kind of navigate both of them it's kind of put you in a position where you in essence you kind of cannot lose because it's like you're able to kind of one day you're like okay well i got all these kids but then you know in the summertime when you not necessarily have the kids you can kind of focus on maybe your next step for your side gig or you know whatever the case may be yeah for sure i mean that's you know that's the big thing i think it's it's kind of a growing thing and there, there's some days where I would like everything to, like, I'm not going to all of us do in certain regard. You kind of want things now and you want it to be a certain way, but you know, I'm kind of getting to the point that I realize that, you know, it's okay for it to be right here for now. You know, we can grow when we can and still kind of do things and, you know, pig farming and having a little hobby farm kind of thing. is just, it's my thing that I enjoy, enjoy doing. And I, you know, I don't really, most of the time I don't really consider it work. I mean, there's definitely times it's worse than others and gets hard. Um, but it's just kind of my my relaxation, you know. Everybody has their different things they like to do on the side. You know, some guys play golf and basketball on the, on the weekends. <laughs> I'm out here, I'm out here with the pigs and in the yard doing stuff, and that's just kind of my you know niche. Yeah, and instead of like tearing your Achilles, 
You actually just make you get to make some, you get to make some money on the side. <laughs> I got see, I've had the I've had six knee surgeries since high school, so oh, okay. Uh, my, my basketball day, days and stuff are done. There's been some times in recent. I mean, I probably hadn't played, picked up a basketball now in about two years, three yeah. years almost, uh, and I'm perfectly content. I went through a while where I was like, man, it's hard not to go play you know, basketball with your buddies and get out and do that kind of stuff, but. These days, I gotta conserve my energy for tussling with a pig every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned I just golfed last Friday at Oak Hollow. Um, you know where that is? North of, or it's High Point technically, but it's like north of High Point. Yeah, we've uh, we've we went camping there not too long ago. Yeah, with the campground there. Yeah, right across the street from the campground is the golf course. That golf course was awesome. <laughs> Like, literally, like, top five favorite all time for me that I've played. Like, it was awesome. And it was 30 bucks. Yeah, that's a, nice, that's a nice area over there. I was surprised. We had, uh, you know, living here my whole life and went out that way, that side of High Point, you know, a handful of times maybe. But the campground was super nice. We, we were impressed with that whole little area there. And like, yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure we could go on for hours and hours, but let's jump into our, our notebook. Because we, I mean... We could just keep talking about pig. You even said it yourself. You can talk about pigs for hours and hours, and that's what we're here for. But let's dive into the notebook, unless Chris or Duval has any final questions that they want to. You got any predator problems? That was the only Ooh. thing I was curious about. I'm good. Not not typically. Um, there's not too many animals around here that would mess with a pig. I mean, even small ones. Um we had some fox trouble about a year ago. That's really the first time we ever had fox trouble, like getting chickens, uh, not, not the pigs. Um, an occasional hawk every now and then. Not really a whole lot of issues. We have a whole lot of coyotes out where we live. Um, I mean, we, we live, I think, 200 yards from a train track. When the train goes screeching through, you hear the coyotes yipping out from the woods behind us. But they, they typically don't mess with the pigs. And we have a great Pyrenees dog. Uh, that we keep with our pigs full time, and so it's kind of the protector. And most most coyotes and stuff, the other dogs and stuff, really don't get in. You know, try to get in there and mess with them. See, I know somebody who lives in a small townhouse, and they have two Great Pyrenees. You're actually using it for its proper use and sitting there and guarding livestock. And I couldn't believe it because those dogs are huge, huge big oh, old dogs. They're big. Yeah, and you've got it. You're using it in the proper way as opposed to just keeping it cooped up inside of a, a townhouse. So that's good to know. <laughs> All right, so we'll get to our uh, warehouse distillery, wine under the bridge, uh, escape one in our notebook. Steven's going to pick a question. I sent him some pages. Uh, while he's doing that, I don't really have a lot of housekeeping. I didn't want to do the rankings for our Pick'em League because we've got a game now that was supposed to be tonight for tomorrow. So we'll wait and release those rankings. Chris, how are you doing in the Pick'em League? Terror. <laughs> I'm like I was like 40th or some shit. I was pissed. <laughs> well, just keep picking, Chris. We appreciate just pick that. Pick each week. Just pick it. Just, just that's all you gotta do. Yeah. Just pick, and, and you got as long as you beat the all underdogs. Yes. You're in the game. That should be. I've only missed like two picks. There you go. You've been picking bad. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. Chris, <laughs> you you pick. Do you pick too many upsets? Yeah, now, well, I'm, I'm getting risky in my other league because there's money there, and I'm just trying to win one week. So I'm trying to figure out those two, maybe three upsets every week, but I'm just picking the wrong games. Man. Yeah. 
I took I took the Raiders over Atlanta, forty something to six. I was like, God. Well, that wasn't a bad pick because the, the both. I mean, Atlanta in essence, Atlanta's not good. Yeah. yeah. You know. So. All right, Stephen, you got a question? Yeah. So, if it's got a check beside it, that means somebody's asked it. Yes. Okay. So, so if you can pick one without a check. All right. What's what has been you guys' favorite part of quarantine or pandemic life? Mine, mine would have to be working from home and being able to like. I have a basement, so I go down and, and, and play video games that I haven't been able to play in like 10, 15 years. Um, I've went back and beat all the Halos from the Xbox to the Xbox 360 and just playing games. I never had time to play video games. So now it's like that de-stressor, kids napping, it's long, extra long lunch break, come down to the basement and just kind of chill and play video games. So I've been, instead of when sometimes when you're at the office, and it's kind of dead, you just kind of have to sit there and, and scroll through social medias and kind of just sit there and f- try not to fall asleep at your desk. So I've been enjoying some of the stay-at-home stuff. Been able to relax and play more video games. Oh, um, me, it's, it's really just been the saving financially because, I've, <laughs> I've, you know, of course you put goals in place every year, but I've been able to achieve higher goals because I was like, oh, I'm going to save X amount, but I've been able to save X amount plus, so that's been good. Secondly, um, as Jacob knows, I haven't had a haircut since the pandemic, so (laughs) being able to finally see that I can grow a beard and up under this hair, you don't want to know what it looks like, but being able to do that has just been pretty cool, so um, being able to do that and you know, just save and, and, you know, I guess you could say do a few things, little housekeeping things, bought a couple plants, you know, stuff like that. So that's been cool. <laughs> I've been spending a lot more time in the kitchen, not eating out as much. So mm-hmm. I've started making pasta and eating a lot of steak and salmon and just trying to get more creative, making my own sauces and stuff. That, that's been my favorite part, is just spending more time in the kitchen. That's why I saw that, that bacon-wrapped duck and was like, <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Uh, really, really, we kind of said that, I guess I've, the part I've enjoyed about quarantine and pandemic is I feel like, really, I think we've kind of been doing, a, doing it things a little bit right all along and so not really a whole lot changed i feel like for us the kind of things you know hanging out with the pigs and doing yard work and uh yard chores and kind of stuff it was you know we were able to continue to continue doing that my wife and i are really into camping Uh, we have a camper that we've been able to still go regularly and do and social distance from people so i think we were actually probably able to do that maybe a little more even back in the spring um because, you know, we were working remotely from home and Friday afternoon after work, you know, we could scoot out pretty quick because we were already home. And um, so we, we just enjoyed that part of it. And just being able to spend extra time at home together has definitely been nice. Yeah, on top of that, yeah, the, the spending more time is, is definitely good. And I'll, I'll add, too, getting the stuff you've always been saying, I'll get to next week around the house, done. Like, oh, I'm going to fix that squeaky door. Or I'm going to fix that, you know, 
I don't know. I'm going to change, finally change out the door handles to something else or fix, change out the light fixtures. And you always put it off to, you know, oh, I'm going to get that done in this week or this month. Now with being more at home, it's like, oh, you know what? You see it a lot more. And, you know, now I have the time to go to Lowe's, pick out what I want or Home Depot or whatever and get that, you know, done. And also just finally getting some of the creative projects as Duvall and Chris have seen. I did that that card table of all my old football cards where I laid it down on an old table and put um, uh, the ceiling on top. And I've just wanted to do that for like almost 10 years because I have so many old football cards stacked up and finally be able to have the time to do that. Because again, like I said, during those lunch breaks or a down day at work, you can sneak away into the basement and do work while having your laptop up and make sure you're still paying attention to stuff. So yeah, definitely getting that as as well has been a, been a plus. Sure. All right, well, we'll send it out. Steven, man, I know you said you were worried about talking on here, but I think you, you filled it out pretty good with all the pig talk. That's stuff we hadn't really we didn't really know about. Man, I've enjoyed this. I've enjoyed this. As a man that doesn't read it, eat a lot of meat, but I have been so informed, man. And listen, I thank you so much for this. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, and if we get a chance, we'll have to slide by over there at some point. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I said, I encourage you guys, you know, anybody, you know, a lot of a lot of folks uh, not as familiar. And I, I just encourage people to find a you know, local small farmer, go to a farmer's market on a Saturday morning. You know, you can find one most places. I mean, you'd be amazed the kind of things you can find and get and you know, conversations you can have with people. And, you know, the thing is, when you buy local foods and uh, things that are better quality, you know, you typically pay for it. Um, but, you know, when you start to kind of realize, kind of, you know, like Duvall said, you know, you may not eat a lot of meat and things, but when you do eat meat, you want to make sure you're eating the good meat, you know, some good stuff, you know, too. So nice. I definitely encourage everybody to, you know, check out, find a local small farmer somewhere and see who you can support and also, you know, provide for your family. So. Yeah. It doesn't have to be small business Saturday to go to the farm. And <laughs> That's right. That is very true. That is very true. So, so two weeks, right? Sausage? Uh, Steven, we've got to ask you off the top. Where can you be found if you want to be found on social medias? It's just really just Facebook. Uh, of course, Steven Smith, and then you can look at Iron Bell Acres. Uh, sometimes folks have a hard time finding our farm page, but if you type in the at symbol, Iron Bell Acre, one word, typically you'll, you'll pop our farm page up pretty quick. It's a decal of a pig with an iron bell you know, on a, on a post. As their profile picture, I think, on there. and That's pretty much our main social media presence right now. Why that name? Uh, we went through a bunch of different names for years when we were doing just like hobby stuff, even since I was a teenager, because we did uh, registered goat, boar goats for a while, so we had a little name then. And then uh, my cousin of mine kind of got into horses and some other things, and so he came up with another name. And eventually when the pigs came along and figured, okay, we want to start selling some sausage and stuff, like, all right, we need a name. Well, we ended up, I had a great aunt and uncle that had passed away, and at their house they had one of those big antique iron bales on top of a post. And so I got that thing off that post and brought it home, and we became Iron Bell Acres. All right. I couldn't leave without figuring out the name, the you know, the origin behind the name, so... All right, well, yeah, thanks to Duvall, Chris, stopping on through. Uh, of course, you, Steven, stopping through. And, yeah, that was, that was great, good little information, switch it up. 
I know. I thought, you know, when you said you, you didn't know if you could talk a lot or a lot about stuff, we would talk about some Panther stuff. But, you know, we've done we done hit through the hour fast, so it's all good. No worries. Yeah, man. It's not, I don't I don't know how uh, how much there is to talk about Panther stuff right now. You know? <laughs> um, That's true. That's true. Dad. We, we're waiting. Till, we'll just wait till April for the draft, basically, right now. That's right. I think they'll, they'll be in the right place, I think, in the next couple of years. You know, there's been some good, you know, good things happening this year. I haven't been able to watch a lot of the games and stuff like I'd like to, but from what I've been seeing and reading about, you know, I think we're heading, they'll be heading in the right direction. It's going to take a little time. Yep. All right. Well, we'll send it out of here. And, uh, Chris, how do we end the podcast? Peace.